0: I want to say hi, my name is Mike, uh, thank you Alan for you know, just introducing me, and I want to say Merry Christmas. It's a real joy, a real privilege for me to be able to bring God's word to us uh, this evening as we speak about uh, Christmas. Now, my wife Jane and I, we have three daughters, 10, 7, and 1. Those aren't their names, <laughs> those are the ages, and we have entered into what I call Uh, the golden era of Christmas. What's the golden era of Christmas? Well, if I ask you the question, I think about Christmas as a kid. That's the golden era of Christmas. It's the eternity of waiting. Will Christmas ever come? This morning, um, one one of my daughters was up at six, and before hopper six, it was, this day's too long. Will it ever get there? Right? It's the I'm so full but I want to keep on eating because there's delicious food. I can't get to sleep. I'm too excited. The waking up before 6 a.m., waking mom and dad up before 6 a.m., and of course discovering under the tree a gift with your name on ripping the paper and discovering the treasure inside. That is the golden era of Christmas. Now, as a family, we have a number of Christmas traditions, but there's been an added one this year. I think there's going to be a slide. Sorry, that side. going to be tough to see. There we go. Our daughters decided, the older two decided, they, they're not going to let mom and dad be the only ones to wrap presents. They got some, like just copy paper. They got some books off their bookshelves, and they were writing and making presents for anyone, all the family members, friends, and so there's a whole bunch of their uh, gifts. Those are all their own self-wrapped uh, gifts. Love, the golden era of Christmas. Now I won't ask for a show of hands, but I'm guessing uh, like me uh, many of you have had an interrupted Christmas this year. Maybe you were going to travel, you were going to get somewhere and you've been uh, prevented from that. Or maybe people were coming here like the Givens and and that didn't uh, work out. Or maybe it was just everyone was in Cape Town but someone got the thing and you can't do Christmas. That's our story. I should be going from this to a big dinner, and I'm not because other family members have COVID. But maybe your Christmas looks different to last year or the year before where there was a family member who's not going to be sitting at your table. As much as it's a time to celebrate, there's also a grief for some of us Someone's not with us anymore, and it's right to remember them. And, and the Christian faith is one that can hold up joy and celebration at the time, same time as sorrow and mourning, and we do that together with you. But I'll tell you what: it really is a joy and delight to be in this room, to sing these songs, these true words, and do what Christians are doing all over the world. I drove past a few churches on my way here, Christmas meetings started to happen. Christians all over the world are doing what we do best, making much of Jesus and we're going to carry on doing that through the scriptures. So the given family they're going to come up and read tonight's text for us just so you know we're in a series called The King is Born and we're going to see that it's not just a king it's a shepherd king and a savior king who has been born. Givens take it away.
1: We're reading from Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 to 20, from the ESV translation. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem
2: and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary
1: treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart.
2: And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks, Thanks be to, to God. God. Beautiful. Well done, given family. Thank you for reading for us. Luke chapter 2 opens with the king of the world, Caesar Augustus, ruler of the Roman Empire and the most powerful human on the planet. As the grandnephew and adopted son of Julius Caesar, he ruled for 45 years in the golden age of the Roman Empire. He was given the name Augustus, which means reverent, exalted, venerable, and after his death, he was declared a god. Caesar Augustus, the most powerful man on the planet. Luke agrees and says, in those days the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world, the whole world, had to register. And Diodorus, the Greek historian, says the boundaries of the Roman Empire are equal, the boundaries of the earth that's some power. But how powerful? Imagine being able to issue a decree and order a command that all the world should be counted, should be registered, and everybody, not just these two people that we're talking about here, but everybody in the Roman Empire has to follow. And they've got to go at their own expense and inconvenience back to their hometowns to be registered. And today, at more than eight months pregnant, Mary would just pull out a doctor's note and say, it's not me. I'm staying home with my feet up. But not so in this day. You see these opening verses from Luke, they show us that one man speaks and the whole world jumps. Now, of course, Caesar and the Roman Empire brought many advances to the world. Infrastructure like roads and aqueducts and set in place governors and laws. They celebrated arts and sports This was a big empire, ruled by Caesar, and through this infrastructure, Caesar could rule the whole world. Caesar rules the whole world. But you see, the perks of being part of the empire came at a cost, a cost to its subjects. The Roman Empire taxed, some say even up to 90%. And so, a decree goes out, and as Caesar grasps for more power, more territory, more money, this grasping even reached all the way into the pockets of a poor carpenter from Nazareth and his young fiancé. And as Nathaniel would later say, can anything good come from Nazareth? You see, Mary's about eight and a half months pregnant when she and Joseph set out. Uh, for Bethlehem. And the journey is just over 100 kilometers, which for us maybe doesn't seem too far. But think about Robertson. It's about the same distance. Think about walking there. Take about a week. Think about being that pregnant. (laughs) Think about a big belly and swollen feet and an aching back. All because in faraway Rome, Caesar is grasping for more control and power and money. And when Mary and her new husband, not the ideal honeymoon, let's be honest, when they finally reach the birth town, there's no room at the end. See, Luke is being very clear here. He's contrasting Caesar and Jesus' power and humility. And while the king of the world, he's stretching and grasping, Jesus' mother and nobody from Nazareth struggles to find a place to give birth and ends up using a manger for a bed for her baby, certainly not a place for a king. So from the beginning, we see that Jesus is different. His kingship would be different. Caesar was building his own glory, growing his lands and his fame, but Jesus, as Philippians tells us, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. You see, where Caesar was a man trying to be a god, here we have a god trying to lay that aside and become a man. So where earthly kings pick up their crowns, Jesus lays aside his crown. He put aside his glory, his equality with God, and he humbled himself to bring us to God. You see, Caesar may have been known as the king of the world, but Jesus is known as Emmanuel, God with us. A very different king indeed. And so, unlike any king, humbly, quietly, in obscurity, Jesus is born. It's on that same night, Luke tells us, that the shepherds are watching their flocks by night. In those days, shepherds were not very popular. Um, They were on the lower end of the social scale alongside tax collectors. The religious saw them as sinners and trustworthy, even to the point of it being forbidden to buy wool to buy milk from a shepherd because it was assumed that, that it was stolen property. <laughs> so why are they the first to hear the birth announcements? You see, nowadays a birth announcement is a big thing. Just have a look at some of these pictures about birth announcements. We want, it, we want to get it just right, hey? The perfect little yawn of the baby and the measurement and the date and the name. We want to put it out there on social media. And the next one, maybe, sometimes we want to have a little bit of fun. Baby's about, baby explodes. But, but we want people to like it, right? We want people to get it. We want the most important people to hear the news. But strangely, the kings and the prophets and the priests and the governors and so on, they left off this mailing list of the birth announcement. And all the while, God is gearing up for the shepherds to witness the greatest birth in history. Won't we read that little bit again with me? It says, The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let's just pause The angel appeared. I'm not sure if you caught that. The angel didn't arrive riding on a donkey like Mary and Joseph. The angel was already there in the heavenly realm, waiting with more anticipation than kids waiting to open their Christmas presents, waiting to declare the good news that will bring great joy to all people. So don't you just love this picture? This heavenly, eternal being is bursting with words, words that were actually written before the beginning of time. He is here. And that's not all. The glory of the Lord shines around. It's kind of this intense cloud of brightness that symbolized God's presence. The burning bush, the pillar of fire, Jesus' transfiguration, similar pictures. It was so all encompassing that it left the shepherds in complete awe and wonder and fear. And then we told. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on an earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see, it's not enough for one angel. A multitude of angels. The NLT says it's the armies of angels. I love it. It's these warriors of light who are using their weapons of song to declare Jesus' birth. They can't contain themselves, so they too burst forth. And the heavenly choir declares in unison and power the beauty of the Christmas message. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God gets all the glory as he seeks to reconcile man with himself through Jesus, his son. That's the Christmas message. It's beautiful. Talk about a birth announcement that will blow any Instagram post out of the water. And so what a privilege for these shepherds to be witnesses to this. Amazing. But again, why the shepherds? You know, were they somehow worthy in some way? Did they have a righteousness that we, you know, didn't know about? No, there was nothing especially special about these guys. And that's the point. You see, even from birth, Jesus was moving towards the lowly. Even before birth or even at birth. He would later say, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. I'm not sure about you, but when I hear that, I kind of breathe a sigh of relief. I relate far more to those guys than anyone else in the story. (sighs) He's come for even me. Take heart. And so Jesus came for the shepherds and the lowly, but he also came to make himself lowly. Uh, The Mishnah, is the Jewish oral interpretation of Scripture. And it says that only temple flocks could be kept in the land of Israel. All other flocks had to kind of go out into the wilderness area. And uh, John Stevenson just tells us beautifully, he says this, If this is true, then these shepherds take on an even deeper significance. The sheep that they are watching on this fateful night are destined to be sacrificed in the temple. Each morning and each evening a sacrifice is offered, a lamb is taken and is killed to provide the forgiveness of sins. Day after day, month after month, year after year, for over a thousand years this unending ceremony had taken place and it was never enough. Today's sacrifice must again be repeated tomorrow with an endless succession of tomorrows, endless observances, endless sacrifices. Are you a little tired of trying to make your way, of trying to prove yourself to God and yet there was a promise, he continues. It was a promise which had come down from the Hebrew prophets of one who would put an end to sin. One who would be like a lamb to the slaughter. One who would have laid upon himself the iniquities of all. On this night, these simple shepherds are going to see the beginnings of the fulfillment of that promise. Heaven will touch earth. God will draw near. Amen. Amen. Emmanuel, God in the flesh. And so Jesus, the humble, the lowly one, Jesus, the one who will, who's the good shepherd that will lay down his life for his sheep. In Luke's telling of the Christmas story, we see how Jesus, the king of kings, is utterly different from the king of the world, Caesar and how throughout his life he associated way more with the shepherds than with anyone else. He was the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. But unlike the hired shepherds in this story, who possibly would have deserted their sheep in their time of need, Jesus lays down his life. He's the good shepherd. And so Jesus, Luke is telling us, is both king and shepherd. But did you notice another shepherd king in the passage? His name is mentioned more than anyone else. David. David's been long gone. But David's name comes up more than anyone else. Why is this? The city of David, Bethlehem. Joseph is in the line of David. His great, 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 great ancestor was King David. The David who was the the shepherd boy who defeated the giant's and became the greatest king of Israel, David, a man after God's own heart. And there was a promise from Micah that said um, the savior would be born in Bethlehem, the city of David. Jesus, in speaking to the Pharisees, he asked them, "You know, who, who do you say is uh, is the, the, the is the Christ?" And they say, "He's the son of David." But actually, I think Luke is massively bringing these things together. He's saying, have a look. It's not just a king that's been born. It's a a shepherd king that's been born. And hey, just remember David, who was the first shepherd king, and cast your mind back, and he was great. He ruled in the golden era of Israel, the greatest king that Israel ever had, and yet he was flawed. He was not enough. He was not perfect He couldn't save his people. And so ultimately, even though he had a good reign, David vacates the throne. His reign comes to an end. See, the angels are not just kind of declaring, oh, a great king has been born. No, they're saying the king has been born. The only king, the true king, the king of kings, the king eternal who would never be taken from his throne, and his reign would never end. You see, Gabriel, just a few months before, spoke to Mary and said these words, He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. This eternal king. And then John the Baptist adds to that and says, Behold, when he sees Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And so today, at Christmas, we celebrate a king full of might and fame, eternal power. We celebrate a shepherd, one who provides and protects and guides. We celebrate a savior. There's forgiveness. There's grace. There's life everlasting. This is the hope of Christmas And no wonder the angels declare glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Emmanuel, the gift who brings peace between us and God. We're going to respond, but I'm going to ask the band to come up if that's right. I didn't prep them for this, but appreciate that. And uh, I wonder, there's three things I've spoken about. um, The king, the shepherd, the savior, And I wonder if there's a response in there for you. You might need to know Jesus as king. Not a distant power like Caesar, where you have to obey or you're punished. You've got to pay your taxes and just really hope that he leaves you alone for another year until taxes are due again. Are you viewing Jesus like that? Because he's so much more. He's Emmanuel, the loving king that comes towards you. Or maybe you need to know Jesus as shepherd, the good shepherd, the one who comes to be with the lowly. We're in good company. The one who invites the shepherds to be the first to witness the birth and then be carriers of that message to the world, the one who knows his sheep. Or maybe you need to know Jesus as Savior, the one who humbled himself and became obedient to death. The shepherd king who lays down his life. The only one who could bring peace between God and man. I'm going to ask the band to just play quietly in the background if that's okay. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And you're going to do some business with God for 20, 30 seconds. I'm going to be quiet. And uh, pick one of those or all of them if you like. and, And you speak to Jesus. Do that now and then I'll wrap up in prayer. Father, oh, we love Christmas. We love to celebrate the great gift of Jesus, your son. The one who laid aside the glory of heaven and humbled himself into human form as a baby in a manger. He made himself lowly. The one who would one day humble himself to death, even death, on a cross. Jesus, today we celebrate you as the King of Kings, the Good Shepherd, the Savior. Amen. The shepherds, in my mind, ran to the stable, and they were filled with joy and delight as they witnessed the birth and as they encountered Jesus. And let's, with that joy in our hearts, let's stand and let's sing once more to Jesus.